Welcome to the For Fox Sake podcast, by the fans, for the fans. With all the news, views and discussion from two lifelong Leicester City supporters. It's your show, so get in contact, make yourselves heard, what's your opinion? The only Leicester City podcast that's by the fans, for the fans. This is For Fox's Sake. Hello and welcome to For Fox's Sake. My name is Pete Selby, in For Fox's Sake HQ and in For Fox's Sake HQ 2, up in the very, very vast and north of England. It's, it's, it's in the middle of nowhere, so far north, it's unbelievable, in Sheffield, it's Rob Hayes. And I'm still alive. I have survived <laughs> I've survived here in the South Yorkshire wilderness after uh our victory last weekend. Survived long enough to speak to you on the podcast anyway. Not until this airs and the neighbours realise that I'm actually a Leicester fan. Although I did shout Vardy very loudly at the uh, with all the doors and windows open when he scored. E by gum stick a rhubarb, all that sort of thing. Yeah, my mother could have played that shot. That's just basically my Jeffrey boycott. But uh, uh, so, so you were fine then. You've 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 not been lynched. The neighbours haven't come round and uh, and said uh, we've seen you in a Leicester shirt. We know who you are, and uh, we're going to get you. But nothing like that. Even after the result, or or actually no, sorry. Did you go round to your neighbours and just stick the V's up over the fences after? We won two one. Well, no, Margaret next door is uh, in her eighties. Margaret, I'm not, I'm not entirely <laughs> convinced that football's her thing. And the family <laughs> next door, the other side, I think, went to the game because they went out at a time that would have been reasonable to get to the game, uh, and came back at a, a similar sort of reasonable time. So I didn't think I'd rub it in with them. Although I, I have been into work this week, my new job, and one of the Sheffield United season ticket holders found me. Uh, and uh, very politely asked me if I went to the game at the weekend. And I said, uh, unfortunately not. I was uh, labouring with my dad, uh, refitting a new bathroom, uh, but we had it on the radio. Um, and she said it was a good game, actually, and she uh, she used a few choice words about Jamie Vardy, but she was, on the whole, she was quite um, pragmatic about the result. It doesn't matter, Rich kind of away end or which home end if, if Leicester are playing the way that Vardy scores in front of he he likes to give it to the home fans obviously in jest but being a, a Sheffield Wednesday fan when he was uh, when he was growing up it was one of the only times really I can't remember many times Vardy's played against Sheffield United for Leicester he wouldn't have before so it was a it was a big moment for him he scored uh, I don't want to say that I got the game pretty much bang on we both said Vardy would score I said Leicester would win probably 2-1 with a late goal after scoring first and an equaliser. Not saying I got it bang on, but pretty much perfect. The one thing I'll say with the two games that we've played, Sheffield United and and Newcastle in the in League Cup, is that we've not hit our straps yet at all as a team. We've not played to our max potential. We had the, a really good half against Chelsea. We beat Sheffield United away. The result was important. Good performances. Fantastic goal from Barnes. Great for Vardy to score. A win in the cup against Newcastle on penalties. 
But overall, we've not really put a 90 minutes in. We've not properly hit our straps when you are unbeaten and you're through to the next round of the cup. We'll come on to that in more detail. But that has to be a huge positive, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it, it, it means that we've got somewhere to go and something to look forward to. If we'd have come out flying in the first few games of the season don't get me wrong we'd have all absolutely loved it and we'd have been talking up this player and that player and Brendan Rodgers is the best Leicester manager ever but it's almost quite nice in a way to have negotiated a few tricky-ish looking fixtures to have progressed in the cup and to say really that in terms of the potential quality that this team has got both individually and collectively you're probably only looking at 70, 75% of what they can do. So it's nice as fans to be sitting here thinking, all right, we've still got lots more to come and more than likely lots more to come this season. We're not talking sort of lots more to come in the next couple of years or so. It's very much a, a soon rather than a, a sooner rather than a later. Um, and it, it makes things very exciting. And, and to be unbeaten at this stage when very few teams are is is a real positive because it shows that we have in this squad an ability to to get results, not just to sort of turn out good performances, but to to get the points and avoid defeat where necessary and, and pick up the three points where possible. It was a fabulous finish by Vardy for the goal against Sheffield United and then Barnes, who's just laced a half volley. He'll never probably hit a sweeter half volley in his life. The, the power, the speed on the ball, an amazing finish. And also, for a player who has struggled in terms of scoring goals, to have the confidence to hit that first time speaks volumes of the player, speaks volumes of the man. But that looked to me as a player in full confidence, trusting his ability, not afraid to take a shot in that situation. You'd, you'd imagine only one or two other players in the in the side would have maybe hit that first time. Vardy might have done. I'm thinking someone like maybe Tillemans, Madison, etc. Probably would have taken a touch or wanted to bring it down and then make a curling effort possibly. But uh, that 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 shows not just the strike because it, it flew in it flew in the back of the net. Fantastic goal, but also it it just shows you that Barnes and a very interesting article by Tanner, uh, Rob Tanner on the. Uh, at the, at the Athletic, if if you've signed up to the Athletic, uh, he's written a piece about Harvey Barnes, uh, interviewing a few people regarding the youngster from Counterstorp, saying that he's uh, a future England international, and and, and about his uh, his progress into basically up to scoring that goal and then missing a penalty in a penalty shootout. But we'll forget about that. Um, but it, it shows you that this guy who struggled with scoring last year. He had everything last year. When he came back from loan from West Brom, he, he burst into sight. He's direct. He's quick. He's a very exciting player. But the one thing he lacked was a finish. He needed a goal. And we said, when we mentioned a number of players, and we pretty much, pretty much went through the side, talking about the players, saying, what do these players need to do to progress or do they just need to keep on doing what they're doing? And with Barnes, it was it'll be lovely to him to get off the uh, to get off the mark quite early to start scoring goals, and then he can cement his place in the first team. And and this, it's not just a goal; it's 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 a goal of the season contender. Yeah. Oh, he he proper got hold of it, didn't he? Like you say, I don't think he'll ever hit one um, that sweet again. But 
a goal so early in the season, particularly as he's not been um, it, featuring in the starting lineups, I think will do a lot for his confidence. I don't think for a second he'll have been sat on the bench first few games of the season thinking that the manager didn't trust him or or that he didn't have the necessary ability to be in and around the Leicester first team. It's just that at the moment, um, Brendan Rodgers is playing a certain style that doesn't necessarily mean that we start with any out-and-out wide players. Um, and and Barnes is an out-and-out wide player. He's he's a direct, beat his man, uh, inject some pace into the attack kind of player. He's not really uh, as much of a... Uh, give and go, pretty little triangles, that kind of thing. He, he's more um, direct than that in in many ways. So that's that's the reason why he's not started in the Premier League yet. But I think if he can take some more confidence from that goal and continue to have the impact that he had at, at Sheffield United off the bench for the early part of the season he'll give Brendan Rodgers no choice but to change his mind because, I mean, I don't want to make a direct comparison because they're two different players, but Iosie Perez hasn't stuck in a half volley from the edge of the penalty area yet. And you've got to say that at this moment in time, he's probably the the one player that Leicester fans might think could be replaced by somebody like Harvey Barnes. So Barnes has just got to keep coming on, keep doing what he's doing. I liked how refreshingly humorous and humble and honest and naturally was in his post-match interviews he he sort of was grinning from ear to ear which he's perfectly entitled to do because it was a heck of a strike um and I think one of the reporters asked him what did what did Brendan Rodgers say to you just before you went on he said yeah I've got to go on and do that you know he just had a bit of a laugh about it and I quite I quite like his his mentality and and like you say Pete it's a measure of a confident young man who absolutely wallops that into the back of the net and he's a great asset to have for the last half an hour of games at the moment um and very much a future regular starter for Leicester one one almost undroppable if he keeps go, going in this direction and as you say with the Rob Tanner article and and various noises from people that have worked with him from a young age then why not England international because it, he'd be only be following in the footsteps of of quite a few other youngsters that have been able to to show their ability on a platform such as Leicester City. I I agree, and we mentioned with Barnes before that he brings a different aspect to the team that a lot of players at Leicester. It's nice football, good players, nice passing. Nice passing. That sounds really weird, but um, but in terms of short passing with with, with Perez and Tillemans, etc., he gives a different dimension because he's direct, he's quick, and he will take on a man like Albrighton will get the ball into the middle as quick as possible. Um, Gray gives something else. <laughs> We're not quite sure what, but he 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 tries to be tricky and he tries to beat a man. But but Barnes is that direct player. He will be out wide. And I love the option of Barnes in the side because he is different to Perez. He's different to Madison. Uh, he's different to the creative midfielders further back like Tillemans, etc. And he also has that X factor, which is a terrible term, but what which happened at Bramwell Lane with that volley. I would like him to be starting for Leicester. Perez uh, is the issue at the moment. A, a £30, £35 million pound signing 
who has not started fantastically well. He was okay at Newcastle, but again, it, in terms of a teamwork, it's not that he's out of place and looking lost in a Leicester shirt at all. He's fully part of the side. He's working hard. This um, he, he won back possession for Leicester for Madison to then play the ball through to Vardy for the first goal at Sheffield United. He worked hard at, at Newcastle as well. He's playing all right. It's just in the final third of the field in, in an attacking sense. It's just not clicked. And I can fully understand why Brendan Rodgers is keeping him in the side because you want to get one of your big signings going. You really do. But... At the moment, I would still be playing him in front of Barnes because as much as I'm a huge Barnes fan, he's a great impact subs and he can come on in a number of positions. Those fluid three players behind Vardy, they can all move around different positions. But Barnes can come on along with the likes of Albright and or maybe Gray for one of those positions. It's not a problem at the moment. But it will come. If he keeps on coming on and performing as he is at the moment, it will come to a point where if one of those players are slightly out of form or not performing to the standard that maybe other players are, which we hope that's the case, because that would mean that Leicester are playing really well, then Barnes will overtake one of those three and it might well be Perez. You never know. We'll have to wait and see. I'd love for Perez to get off the mark this weekend against Bournemouth. Um, so it was a great win. It was 2-1. It was a away victory at Sheffield United, who are a decent side. And we said before the game, it's not the greatest time to go to a club like Sheffield United. They're starting well. They're going to try and pick up as many points as possible before. Not sides work them out. I think it's more of a case of they realise they're a Premier League side. And, and almost you get into the groove of things. And maybe the, the, the league starts to ease off and become more predictable and become... Uh, the Premier League that we know with the top sides then starting to edge clear of the mid-table and then the bottom sides will uh, gradually move away from the rest, from mid-table, etc. Sides like Sheffield United and Norwich are going to be dangerous in the first few weeks of the season and uh, and Aston Villa as well, and they've proved that. So to go there and win is a, re it's a, it's a really good performance, unbeaten. We then go to Newcastle in the Cup, and Rob, when you heard the team news, when you saw the eleven against Newcastle, what was your first thought? My first thought was, hallelujah, finally a Leicester manager has listened to for Fox 8 podcast. It was so, it was ref very refreshing to see because, you know, every manager makes noise about taking cups seriously and believing that they can have a good cup run this season. Steve Bruce did it in his pre-match press conferences for the game um, last night. Uh, but his team team selection didn't reflect that, whereas Brendan Rodgers did. He has got players that could do with some game time, but he didn't feel forced to do that just because it was the League Cup game. In fact, it was pretty much the opposite. It was We know that there's an international break coming up, so a lot of his players will be resting ahead of that a few a few here and there will will go but you know um and if they come back maybe then might be the time if you've had time over the international break to work with the players that aren't necessarily involved in the internationals maybe they get a start in the league i think the league is 38 games long and 
there will be times when legs need freshening up and there will be times when results don't necessarily go your way. Does every game count? In many ways, yes. But can you afford to drop a few games here and there? Yes. And so why why not do that rather than faff about and, and risk being knocked out in a one in a one-off sort of knockout game in the League Cup. You look at the, the team selection and it was essentially Leicester's first team. And and that is exactly what we've been calling for on this podcast. It, 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 as supporters, it's really what we want to see because it says, look, we're going to go and try... We're going we're gonna to go and win this game. We want to... We will win this game. Uh, and that sets a good precedent for the rest of the competition be interesting now with the the draw for the next round being away at Luton what the team selection looks like then was it a case of let's pick a strong team because we're um, away at a Premier League side or was it let's pick a strong team because we want to win the League Cup We'll, we'll find out the answer to that I think away at Luton but in terms of looking at the team sheet when it first came out yes very very happy and positive because our first team proved how difficult it would be to get a result up at Newcastle. I agree. I, I think a little bit of both in terms of, I like the comment where you say it sets precedent for the rest of this competition because when we go and play Luton away at Kenilworth Road, I think there'll be maybe two or three more changes. You know, you know, um, there could be maybe a change up front with... Um, Kelechi and Nacho playing instead of Vardy, or they could be uh, a change in number 10, maybe Madison dropping. You never know what could happen. But for me, if Leicester pick a very strong side, which I expect them to do, I, I, I expect one or two more changes. But the players who played at Newcastle, who then, then play at Luton, I'm not saying that they wouldn't perform to the best of their ability anyway, but they know that, Rogers mean business in this competition. They know that this is a competition, and they've probably would have been told this before the season starts. Look, we're going to take this competition very seriously. Both cup competitions expect if you're a first team player to be picked. Don't think for the last two or three years I'm going to get the day off if we played away at Shrewsbury, for example. Then I'm going to get the day off. So that's great. Expect to play. So I'd expect them to play a strong team against Luton and. I like the reaction of a number of players. It's it's very easy for a player to jump up and down when they win a penalty shootout. It's very easy for them to uh, celebrate a goal scored in the game in a in a manner that would identify with supporters, and they go, "Oh yeah, fantastic! What a what a guy!" But you could tell that really meant something that penalty shootout win at, at Newcastle. It doesn't matter. Newcastle are, are a uh, Premier League side. It doesn't matter that they've gone for a few hardships and they're not in the greatest amount of form. I know they won at uh, Tottenham quite uh, strangely. I think many people would say, but it was a victory that wasn't unexpected. They were heavily backed in terms of betting as well. The odds collapsed on Leicester, but it wasn't a surprise result. But I I love the fact they went with a, a, a really strong team. I, I really do. I think for me, it means that when they play at, at Luton, and again, just to back up what I was saying, if they pick Vardy, if they, Vardy would be up for it anyway, but if they pick any of the other players who played at Newcastle, I don't doubt that if they were picked for the first time, they would be like, oh, I have to play at Kenworth Road. 
I think they know. I think they know that they will be picked. It's going to be a very strong side. And it's a competition. Fingers crossed we get some decent draws. You, you look at the likes of Man City, etc. You don't want to be drawing them. But we go there, we win, we get to the next round. And this is a competition Leicester should go far in if we get a decent draws and we pick our first team, which we are doing. I, I like the fact, yes, Evans didn't play. No problem. You can bring in Morgan. One or two others on the fringe. I'd be interested to think what uh, to, to know what some of the the fringe players thought. Maybe the likes of someone like an Iniacho, for example, who played well during preseason, scored a, a few goals. Maybe he would have thought, "I might come on here, or I might start the game." It didn't quite work out. So there is a double-edged sword with this. There are a number of players who haven't played yet for City, and I like the fact that they've got a settled, rough first kind of 11 or 12 or 13 players. But what what do you think about those fringe players not playing? There is two sides to this story. Yeah, of course there is. Yeah, they're, they're, some of them, well, you don't know what kind of conversations Brendan Rodgers has with the squad about the intentions in competitions and team selections. But there will have been some players that would have expected, because many clubs do this, to have, to have got a start because they hadn't started yet in the season. But, you know, there's a lot of talk this this season particularly from fitness analysts etc that most teams haven't got up to full fitness yet in the Premier League and they've played three games so it can't be a case of the the players being tired so it's no excuse so Brendan Rodgers has obviously looked at that looked at the the fact that we are probably the sixth or se- seventh best team in in the country it's, so therefore in this competition and then if a couple of teams above us play their reserve teams then we are probably top three, top four in the competition. So he's seen it as a, as a game to go and win. Um, and if these players that have only played that have played three Premier League games aren't quite up to scratch yet, then think of what kind of level the fringe players will be at. And I, and I know it is a double, double-edged sword because you, you want those fringe and backup players to be ready to come in when necessary. But the problem is when you bring seven or eight of them in, you've got an entire team that's below par. Whereas if you've got a couple of injuries in the Premier League, but you've got a team that is predominantly up to speed and he's playing well, to bring one in is not usually a problem, or one or two as as the handful of changes that were made for the game against Newcastle last night. But you start changing everybody. You, you change the keeper, for example. All of a sudden, there's a different way of communicating. There's different expectations from the defenders. Um you change bits and bobs in the middle of the park. You know, it, it all of a sudden it just becomes too fragmented, and that's the reason why it's not. It's not really much to do with the names on the paper, as as the fact that it's a lot of different ways of playing. Regardless of how well tactically drilled a team is, each individual will do things slightly differently. So for the fringe players you don't know what was going through their minds because you don't know what's what's been said to them but you you would imagine that some of them will have expected to feature a little bit more now i don't know if uh, i haven't read or haven't searched really that about ian acho but we're talking about him as essentially our backup striker we were questioning whether we had enough firepower in terms of strikers in the squad on a previous podcast and he hasn't even made the bench for the last couple of games it, it was certainly a game where you'd have thought if Vardy plays for an hour and we're winning, get Ian Acho on and get him some minutes in the first team. Because like you say, he bagged a few goals in pre-season. All right, we didn't play the most illustrious of, of opponents most of the time. But 
he's clearly a massive confidence player. So for him to not feature recently and not even get a look in in the squad for the League Cup would suggest that I don't know, Brendan Rodgers isn't isn't a huge fan. But he's I mean it is it's an it is an interesting one. I don't think there's many other players that will be massively disappointed. James Justin might have wanted to make his debut. Um Papi Mendy's probably not the happiest of chappies sitting on the bench after seemingly getting himself back in to the first team under Claude Puel. Um but apart from that, you've not really got anybody else that can sit on the bench and properly complain. We've let we've aired our thoughts about Gray. Um all Brighton has been talked about by Brendan Rodgers. I think All Brighton knows his position as a squad player, an impact sub, a model pro in the squad, and I don't think that'll have bothered him too much. But apart from that, I don't think there's really anybody else that that can be that agitated about it. No, I agree. It's a, it's interesting. I think the squad is in a, a, a period of transition. As much as we've got a settled first team. I think a lot of players are, and rightly so, some players have have hung around at Leicester for a while on, on decent money. And I think at the moment, Rogers is trying to ship these players out. There's still time in the transfer window for players to move abroad. We've seen uh, the likes of Silva, um, Slomani, etc. They, they, they've gone on loan. Um, it might be the case that it is still a case of players being filtered away from the squad. Maybe Ineacho, I know he's pretty much our only backup striker, but also it might be a fact that this is a a sequence that will continue. And if he's not making the bench, then he may, might be being made to look for a move in, in January or at the end of the season. Gray has been spoken about in no uncertain terms by Rogers to say you need to do better to be involved. And again, we mentioned last week, a, a move for him might be on the cards. Mendy, the same. He'd be wanting to play first team football at his age and also his quality as well. I'd imagine the club might want to keep him, but if he wants to move on, there you go. And I think Rogers has, has got this core 15 or 16 players You'll add in a few youngsters away from that and maybe a few players who'd be happy to be part of a squad, like you said, Albrighton. But then the rest of them, if they want to move on, then they can do, which is something that's not really happened since maybe Pearson's era where he had his settled side and his settled players and anyone else who kind of wasn't in the clique, they went, which ultimately turned out to be very successful uh, to operate in that way for the club. So we'll, we'll wait and see. It was in, the one person actually who who turned out to be the star really on on the day was Schmeichel. I was interested that Schmeichel played because normally you'd say there might be one or two changes in the starting lineup in the outfield terms, but also in goal you'd expect uh, the the goalkeeper to be changed. So that was not a strange decision, but it was uh, that was the one eyebrow that I raised as soon as I saw Schmeichel. I went right, they really do uh, mean business, and he's arguably you'd say possibly the best in the world at saving penalties. He'd he'd certainly be in the conversation. You look at his uh, exploits for Denmark in the World Cup. It's he, he would have to be in, in the conversation for, if you were in a penalty shootout, who would you like in goal? Um, but we're through to the next round. A win in the Premier League. Everything's going fine. We've not yet hit peak form, and yet we're playing Bournemouth at home at the King Power. An interesting game. I went to this game last year. 
as a fan, uh, if you remember, it was one of the later games in the season, one of the latter games uh, Rogers was in charge. I went as a fan for the first time for years and years and years. Uh, I won't remember that. And, uh, and Leicester won very easily 2-0. Bournemouth were shocking that day. Uh, Wilson missed a really uh, big chance early on. Great save by Schmeichel. But apart from that, they showed nothing. And Leicester were, were dominant. But... They're, they're, they're a strange side. They're, they're a very attacking side. They've got good players going forward. They're ropey at the back. They'll always concede chances and goals. They'll score as well. But you have to feel this is a, not not a nailed-on win at all. You'd never say that about, against, uh, about Leicester. I, I wouldn't, anyway. But it has to be a victory if they're looking, again, for that top six. And you, you really do have to fancy Leicester on Saturday. Yeah, Bournemouth are one of them teams where some weeks they turn up and look like they could be knocking on the door of the top six, and other weeks you look at them thinking they could be relegation fodder. They, despite the fact that they they do comfortably well in the Premier League for the last couple of seasons, and they're they're running a very very successful club for the size down on the south coast, you're never quite sure what's actually going to turn up because if if they're quality players are firing. You know, if Ryan Fraser's beating men left, right and centre, if Callum Wilson's tucking away goals, they're a very dangerous side um, and they've got good, honest defenders. But I would expect Leicester now to, to be sort of picking up some momentum. You know, we, t- we talked the first couple of games, um, the last podcast we did actually, we'd had two draws. Now we've got our first win uh, and then we followed that up by progressing in the League Cup on penalties so two wins in a row, four games unbeaten overall, players starting to find some rhythm and some tempo. We really need to be the team, the, the home team. We need to be the team that says, we're going to play football here. We are going to come and play right through you, regardless of how deep you sit. We're going to come and play right through you and, and just play it with real intent right from the start. And I know we we kind of want that every game. We we say that most games, but we have to make this happen. You know, the, the Sheffield United game was was a bit of a sort of end to end, a bit it swung it both ways a little bit. Um, the Newcastle game was tough because they parked the bus like they usually do. Um, but this has got to be. Wolves did the same. Wolves were really really compact against us, uh, and Bournemouth, although they do try and play expansive, more counter-attacking football. There will be times when they just absolutely camp in and there'll be times where we've got to find a way through. And these players now have got to show the confidence to be able to do that, both individually and together in little pairs, little threes. Um, got to get Vardy involved on the shoulder of their defence. I don't, I don't think their defence will like seeing Vardy running in behind. So it's just one way we've actually got to... Go. I think the fans will be up for it because it's it, that that um, stat is doing the rounds, isn't it? The last time Leicester went unbeaten um, after X amount of games, the last two times rather, they were the champions of the Premier League, and before that, the Championship. So it doesn't. It means absolutely nothing, but people are starting to think already that this could be the start of a good season, and following up an unbeaten run of four games two back-to-back victories with a with the best performance of the season against Bournemouth I think that's what we're looking for I think we're looking for now an improvement in performance a little switch to show that there is an extra gear 
Yes, I agree. And also, you've got some difficult fixtures coming up. Maybe away at Old Trafford is not so uh, difficult as it maybe appears or has been in previous years. At the moment, I'll expect Leicester to go there and get a result. But we'll come to that in future weeks. I think it's a grand opportunity for the likes of Perez to get off the mark. I'm going to back him to score. I think he'll score and I think Leicester will win. And I think they'll win quite convincingly. I can't see any reason why it can't be a, a similar result to what it was late on last season. A, a, a routine um, win. Maybe, maybe they'll still concede one, but you know, 3-1, 2-1. Maybe even three nil, something like that. But uh, that that's what I'm going for. I'm going for Perez to get off the mark, and I think if Leicester just play their game, even not to a hundred percent, you know, and I, th I still think they'll have plenty enough to beat Bournemouth. The, the only thing that would happen, obviously, you never know what can happen during a football match. But uh, strange incidents aside, Bournemouth can beat anyone on their day, home or away. But from what they've shown so far they haven't evolved to the side they they are still the Bournemouth that we know and we quite like everyone's got a bit of a soft spot I'd imagine for Bournemouth a small club in terms of the rest of the Premier League doing really well great manager good to watch when everyone on TV you know it's going to be a, a, a decent game with lots of goals but I, I, I can't see if both sides play to the level that we know that they can I can't see any reason why Leicester cannot win this game. And it would be important because it will keep the run going and then we do have uh, difficult games coming up. So for me, it's going to be Perez uh, to get off the mark in a in, in a decent win for Leicester. I, I'm going to, I'll tell you what, I'm going to go for 3-0. I'm going to go for 3-1 because our backs us to get a clean sheet um, on the last podcast and that didn't happen. So, But I think... Um, I think Chaglar Soyuncu is going to oh, well. further stake his claim of one of Leicester's big as one of Leicester's newest and potentially most intriguing cult heroes by bagging a goal from a set piece. I think I think the big square head is gonna is gonna get one of the goals. Oi oi, um, here we go. <laughs> well, you know, it look, he 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 loves a challenge. He don't he doesn't back out of a challenge. And I don't think I think that's the case in either box, um, but yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I think we've it's got to be the time now where we where we score goals. Yes, uh, to win at home, scoring three goals is not n not a sort of dream. It's it's very much a reality with the with the firepower that we've got. Um, the confidence is coming. The performance levels are coming and and if it all clicks at the weekend then that's a very realistic outcome i think yeah um i i can't i can't see any reason and people will be full of confidence madison with his dinky chip down the middle his penenka penalty not uh, there's been a, it's been an interesting if, if we move on to uh, the uh, cyberspace social media uh, for all of the week last week it was the caps at uh, at Stamford Bridge. Uh, this week it's the uh, the response to Madison doing his Penenka in the penalty shootout. Instantly you go back to Cormagant in that penalty shootout. But I ain't got a problem with it. The reason is it went in. I don't care. Someone could run up and backheel the ball. Uh, you could dive head the ball. Whatever. If a penalty goes in, that's fine for me. Do I like... Would I like my penalty taker for Leicester in the Premier League, which he's not, 
to be dinking the ball down the middle, Penenka style, every week. No. But it was a penalty shootout. Put your hands in the air and go, fair play. If Leicester go in a penalty shootout against Luton in the next round and Madison steps up, I bet all the money in the world he will not Penenka it down the middle because he's done it in the previous game. He'll wait for a while, keep it in the locker. And you never know, he might not take it again. He might not ever do it again. Um, But there was a bit of a furore over that. I I can half see why because of the history with Cormagant, etc. But uh, again, uh, for me, not a problem. It went in, no problem. Barnes missing, not a problem. He wasn't fussed. We won the penalty shootouts. Um. But that's uh, that's what's been rumbling in the background. Apart from that, I think it's relatively been a quiet week. Apart from Madison and uh, and Chilwell being called up to the England squad, uh, nice for Madison to get into that squad. I think it's uh, and as regular listeners to for Fox's sake would know, I'm I am quite a critic of Madison. Uh, I think it's probably just because of his performance, especially in the big game against Chelsea away in the second half, it, and also because we have not had many games in this season, and he has uh, a great assist for Vardy at Sheffield United, and he's played well. So I think it is just, and hopefully this can then kick him on and spur him on to be picked in future squads. And also, as we mentioned last week, hopefully this kicks, say, Gray on in training, and when he gets a a chance on the field as well. You you never know what can happen by people overtaking him, who has been previously picked for uh, the England squad. So it's good to see Madison... Um, in the England squad, alongside his, his best mate, Chilwell. Yeah, I wanted to touch on Madison because we did kind of make inadvertently make last week's episode quite Madison-heavy, and we weren't necessarily singing his praises. We were saying that he's he's getting there and he is starting to show more confidence, but he, he's one of them players that never goes, rarely goes missing on a pitch. Um, and that the ball for Vardy's goal against Sheffield United is exquisite, and the confidence that is look he's always a confident lad he says that he says i've got to be confident and back my own ability because you know if you don't that's when you start not taking the chances and not creating the the um the opportunities but you could it was kind of embodied by the penenka penalty um the confidence that is flowing through him at the moment and and that has quite rightly been rewarded with a call up to the to the england squad a confident james madison is exactly what Leicester City needs because because he keep trying and, and with more success the the sort of weighted through balls the the first time passes the little flicks around the corner and look he is the the kind of uh, extravagant footballer that has a Penenka penalty in him and like you say Pete I'm absolutely not bothered one bit because it went in and it was a massively better penalty than Jan Kermigant's. Kermigant chipped oh, it oh, so don't, slowly don't. and so low oh. that the keeper... Was it David Marshall, the keeper at the time? Oh, he was down. Oh, it could have been Mr Blobby. Going bottom corner. He got back up and caught it. Madison chipped it, but he chipped it high enough so that if the keeper did stand the ground or did half commit to a dive thinking, oh, I'll get my legs, we'll save the, the one down the middle. It was pretty close to the crossbar. Um, and... Look, it hit the back of the net, and we won the penalty shootout. I don't, I don't see why there needs to be a problem with it. If anything, I think as a Leicester fan, I'm looking at that going, Phew, Madison is probably properly on it. He is very confident, um, and that is exactly the kind of confidence and momentum that we want him to take into the next game. Because 
an assist for Vardy, uh, a goal, albeit from a deflected free kick, um, a Penenka penalty. He's going to be absolutely buzzing, and he he'll be the itching to get back on the pitch come the weekend, um, and that will be only a positive for us. I I completely agree. Yeah, it's uh, it's 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 all good signs. I mean, my thought first thought was, uh, do you remember um, Zidane's penalty in the World Cup final when it hit the underside of the crossbar, bounced over the line, and then came back out and. I mean, what a what an amazing game for him. And then headbutt in later on, getting sent off in his last game. But it was that that kind of penalty because it just grazed the crossbar. Uh, yeah, it's, he is full of confidence. And when you put those sequence of things that I forgot about the free kick, yeah, the free kick that went in, and I know it took a deflection, but still, it shows you that he's full of confidence. And if you ever want a player to be confident, it's either your centre forward or your most creative player in the side, and that's uh, that's Mister Madison. So. That to look forward to. Um, one thing maybe not to look forward to is uh, the Fantasy Football League. Cue the music, Rob. So, on to the Fantasy Football Top 10 for uh, the for Fox 8 Podcast League. Here we go. In 10th place, it's uh, Damien Garcia, Foxes Blues, 183 points. In 9th, 184 points for Jonathan Towers, Vardy Party. In 8th place, 184 points also for A Whole Lot of Love by Graham Large. In 6th place, 185 points, so not much split in these. It's 7th place for the Modern Leopards, Scott Kersey. Dropping down into 6th, Graham Jones, 190 points. Life on Mares, top five, 194. Vini uh, VD Vardy, Ben Melbourne, 196 in fourth. Vardy Annuals, Joe Healy, top three in third, 199 points. Concept FC, concept concept. In second place, down one from last week, 202 for Gav Brown. Saigon Foxes and up into the lead 211 points Alex Ekonomeo that's probably said wrong video killed the Saudio 211 points and he tops the, the Fox 8 Podcast League and as I scroll down Mr Rob Hayes I can see you. Where are you? You 40... can see me lower than you. Correct. 47. You are 47th with 33 points last week, which just by browsing through, that's pretty low. Uh, I'm in 40th. Super Frank Sinclair. Uh, I got 52 points, which I thought was all right, although I captained Harry Kane against Newcastle and then he had a shocker. Uh, I had a half decent week. Uh, after playing my wild card, but uh, I'm still I'm still positive. I've got plenty of Man City players, and they play Brighton at home, so I'm quite sure that my fortieth. I reckon I'm going to be in the top twenty. I'm going to be in the in the twenties next week, so uh, I'm confident that I will move up. Uh, have you been changing your captains? Have you been making subs? I forgot this week yeah. is the first week I've forgotten, um, and I can't believe I forgot based on the fact that I was extremely pleased with myself after the previous week all i want 
And I know this dream is slipping away very quickly. All I want is to be read out in your top 10 just once. But, you know, the the, the longer you you spend away from the top 10, the more difficult it is to close the gap. So something drastic is going to have to happen for Pete Selby to read me out as, as one of the top 10. That's true. I mean, in 10th place, Fox Blues, Damien Garcia, he got 51 points. Crikey, Vardy Party, Jonathan Towers, 72 points. How the how did you get 72 points? Anyway, um... So top 10 starts with 183 points. Rob, you're on 143, which by my maths is uh, 40 points away. I'm on 152, so I'm a huge nine points ahead of you. So that's uh, that's all good. There we go. That's the fantasy football. Uh, if you've not joined the league, then uh, do get in contact with us on social media and we can point you in the right direction. But I think you'd obviously start on zero now if you join, so maybe you won't. Um, I don't know how many leagues you're part of. Looking down, I'm nowhere near the top of any of mine. Anyway, that's the fancy football. And uh, for the, for this week, we're not going to uh, dwell on that lots, but uh, we're going to always mention it. And uh, I love the fact that you've got the music on the go as well. That's uh, well done to you. I tip my cap to you, sir. Anyway, if you want to get in contact with the podcast, at for Fox's sake. Uh, at FFS Pod on Twitter, so you can search for us there and find us and give us a follow. Uh, you can find us on Facebook as well. Just type in for Fox Eight Podcast, and we'll come up. Give us a like, give us a follow, and it means that you'll be up to date with every single podcast. Follow us uh, on social media. You can also then sign up on Apple Podcast, iTunes, as it used to be called. Uh, give us a uh, subscribe on there. We're also on SoundCloud. And uh, I'm going to actually try and put us on Spotify. A lot of people use Spotify for podcasts. And uh, I'm going to try and get us on there. I've got other ones on there. Drinking with fear. And um, I'm going to try and get us on there. I can't see it being a problem. So hopefully next week uh, I'll be able to announce that we're on Spotify, which people use. I use that actually for music. Incredibly enough, even someone as stupid as me uh, can actually get a, a, a hold on modern technology. 